listening to the ESP, the European Skeptic Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 134, and I am your host, Yelena Levin. And joining me today is my co-host, Pontus Bockman, and we have a guest co-host, Brian Ego, joining us as well. Всем привет! Hey, san, hey, san. All right, Trips. Hey, hey, Brian. All right, Trips. We and have like, finally... Brian is in the house. Finally, uh, Brian and Jelena on the same show. Woo. Exactly. That means the end of the conspiracy, conspiracy theory. Conspiracy oh. is busted. Unless unless people think it's just one of us doing two voices, like uh, like Eddie Murphy <laughs> in one of, the, one of his yeah. hilarious movies. <laughs> Are they really hilarious? Well, I was thinking that, like Yelena, you're you're younger than us, so you might not remember. Eddie Murphy did used to be funny. Um, mm. I know that, like skeptic, no, you probably won't believe that, but it is true. He back in the eighties, he was funny. I don't know what happened, but uh, it's been all downhill <laughs> since then. Anyway, it's good to be back, yeah. guys. How the hell are yeah, you? Yeah, good to have you on. Good it's to have really you on. great to have you on, especially because I'm on as well. Yay! But guess who's not on? <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> Andres. Andres yeah, he's travelling as usual. He's travelling again. Do you know, I, I, I'm going to get my apology in early because I know Andres is going to be in Edinburgh on Saturday to speak for the Edinburgh Skeptics. Unfortunately, yeah. I will not be able to make it over and see him. So, Andres, if you're listening to this, sorry. Ooh. But, Brian, you do have something to tell us about your experience in Edinburgh uh, Fringe, about your talk. Does it call Sports Bollocks? Sports Bollocks, <laughs> yes, indeed. So I, I was very privileged to be like the opening uh, speaker for, for Edinburgh Skeptics as part of their Festival Fringe program. That wasn't because Ooh. I'm sort of a crazy headliner or anything. Like when I spoke with the organisers, uh, like Sean and Mark, and they said, look, can we slot you in somewhere? And I said, yeah, fine, wherever suits. So, so yeah, last Saturday I got to go and uh, do my talk over at Edinburgh. It was great fun. There was a good audience. We had uh, we had good feedback. And actually, um, on the Friday, the day before, I did the same talk three times in a row in the Science Centre <laughs> in Glasgow. Wow. Brilliant. Which was a big pile of fun. So they, they do, um, every every month or so, they do a, a thing called Science Centre Lates. You know, it's adults, adults only, because it's kind of like a family kind of uh, place most of the time. So they do like a late night thing and it's adults only and they sell alcohol and they put on talks where you know you're allowed to say naughty words so that, yeah, that explicit tag yeah that's fine that's, that's where i came in i said some naughty words and and talked about sports so yeah I, it, it's a real fun talk talking about some of the sort of preposterous products and processes and services that you've seen in 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 the world of sport in a kind of a pseudo-scientific way. So things like yeah. the power band bracelets and kinesio tape and cupping and yeah. that sort of thing. So, yeah, it was great fun. Yeah. Fantastic. I wish I could see it. But uh, you will, will you take this on the road now? or? Well, um, not, not that I don't want to... Um, tout myself to, to other skeptics groups. I am fully available to come and do the talk for you if you want. But... I think it's a type of the type of talk where a sort of a regular skeptics audience will probably know all the stuff anyway, so they might get less out of it. It's, okay, so it's it's a fun mm. journey. Don't get me wrong; I've got some really bad jokes in there, right? So you know, you you be. <laughs> 
Well, we know you're abundant Joe Smith a- exactly. uh, series. So you, you'll be... I mean, when are you pub- publishing the book on that? Oh, it's just a matter of time, yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, I think one, one of the good things about doing it at the Science Centre and doing it at the Fringe is the type of audience you had in there was people who probably never heard of scepticism before. And, and I think it was a nice oh, kind of yeah. lightweight introduction for them into the world of sort of pseudoscience yeah. and quackery. But yeah, if there's any sceptic groups out there that want me, I'm all yours. Ah, well, I think I was going to say, not only they probably haven't heard of skeptics uh, before, but they thought, oh, I thought those bracelets work, you know, that kind of attitude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I, I mean, there's quite a few people came up afterwards and, and, and sort of said like, oh, you know, I'd never really thought about it before or, or, or a lot of people who, who did think, well, that, that you know, I, I've seen that. I wondered if there was anything to it. It's good to find out that it's not. So, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are skeptics that just don't know it. Yeah. yeah, great. Brilliant. All right, guys. So uh, I, I suggest we, we move on with the first segment, which is This Week in Skepticism with Jelena. That's right. So before I start my current weeks uh, on this week, that did not come out right. But anyways, <laughs> okay. I'm, st- I'm sticking with it. Yeah. Whatever. Um, I want to mention, um, someone who wrote to us about, uh, Carl Jung that I've covered last week. Um, it's, uh, Joseph. Um, uh, thank you for getting in touch. He, uh, was surprised to find out that apparently we think that Carl, or I think that Carl Jung was, um, using scientific methods in his, um, research and his methods and apparently he wasn't and he was a very well-known fraud so um <laughs> i think for the purposes of the episode I, th- I don't think i did very in-depth research into that kind of thing but his influence actually still is very much visible and he has done some harm with his beliefs and um his unfortunate legacy still lives on and and what uh, Joseph was saying in his feedback is that uh, his theories on typology is still making harm in modern pseudoscientific HR consulting, for example. And he mentioned um, MBTI and insights discovery. So, um, yeah, again, thanks for the feedback. It's great to know that somebody's listening. <laughs> and we always take yeah. on board. You know, I, I, I don't remember exactly now how it went, but I, I, I yeah. know that Jung is not considered today to be an authority and to have mm, been right. Mm. But I, I'd like just to point out that even people who are wrong, like Freud, who was wrong, and Jung, and yeah. they, they do have a, a, a big influence and a big impact. They're still important today. And even indirectly in a positive way because by by pointing out how they were scientifically wrong others can bring the subject forward and and, and you know in advance the subject so yeah and psychology is such a tri- tricky matter and subject to begin with i mean there is so much still unknown and there's so many theories and i think we we might have been uh, together at one of the conferences with you pontus and possibly you brian where there was a discussion about how a lot of this research is not repeatable and yeah. therefore yeah especially in psychology so psychology is tricky uh, yeah. but i think uh, joseph is right i mean today you consider both freud and jung to be really wrong and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there were better ways of doing what they yeah. tried to do so indeed hmm? okay so but today i want to talk about an unfortunate event that happened to someone in uh, 
Netherlands. And um, it happened on the 19th of August 2001, relatively recently, to Sylvia Maria Millicam. She was a Dutch actress and comedian. I personally don't know who she is, and, and you know, and I've never really watched a lot of Dutch TV or comedy for that matter, but she <laughs> was featured regularly on Dutch television and she hosted several shows. And as far as I can gather, could gather, she was fairly famous and well loved. But in, in any case, what I want to talk about uh, is an unfortunate uh, thing that happened to her. She's been diagnosed with breast cancer a couple of years before, she, before her death. And what she was advised to do by her doctors is to seek alternative treatment, Ooh. which she did. And not any alternative treatment, but things like faith healer treatments, uh, homeopathy, uh, magnetic field therapy. And we, we all know that those things don't do anything and they're as best, the best they can offer is a placebo effect. But in, in the case of cancer, there is nothing that can be done. So instead of seeking uh, the traditional methods, chemotherapy, uh, radiotherapy, etc., she went down the alternative therapy route and uh, died shortly. Um, I want to stress that her chances for survival were quite high were, was she to go down the uh, traditional medicine route. Because I'm assuming that this is my assumption, but uh, because she was well-loved uh, and... Uh, this made newspapers, this story made newspapers. Her case has been investigated since. And actually, there is something good that came out of this, of a very sad situation. The two alternative doctors and the healing medium, Jomanda, or Yomanda, um, Dutch healing medium, who she was also referred to and who she went to for treatment to, have, will be prosecuted because they stopped uh, Sylvia from uh, a regular medical treatment. And it was determined by the courts in Amsterdam in April 2008 that this situation will be investigated and the um, people responsible will be brought to justice, which is great. Do you mean it's not happened yet? So they were prosecuted because oh, okay. that's the, the, the right. verdict happened, happened in 2008, so they were prosecuted. What was the outcome? One thing I found for sure, that the doctor who recommended the alternative treatment for Sylvia has been struck off the registry. The Yeah, he lost um, his license, really. Lost his license, yeah, yeah okay. since then. Um, I mean, it's too late, obviously, for her. Mm. But this is, um, a, I guess, a sad case. Um, well, it is a sad case. When somebody seeks alternative treatment and uh, dies as a result of it on one side, and on the other side, we can see that it hasn't been in vain and it's been investigated and some actions have been taken. You know, we don't know how, what impact it will have and whether it's going to create the chain of events where people will think twice before referring to alternative medicine. But I think there's still a lot to be done and uh, a lot of yeah. good science Illust communication. Yeah, it illustrates the point. Yeah. I think I think the main concern here is the fact that I assume that the doctor she went to in the first instance was a regular GP. Is that correct? It doesn't really say, um, I can't find any particular de details of that, mm. Mm. but I'm assuming as well, like you said. And so maybe that GP was more prone to alternative healthcare. Yeah. Alternative healthcare. Mm. Yeah. Always, always get a second opinion, folks, especially if the first opinion sounds really sketchy. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But, you know, people, if people think... Well, depends where you're coming from. If you're coming yeah. from a point of view of 
you know, trusting alternative medicine and homeopathy, if somebody all of a sudden recommends you that, you'll be like, oh my gosh, even the real, the real doctors in, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in inverted commas. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and just to note, she never even try, tried the conventional medicine. So yeah. she, well, sad story. It's it's a shame. I think there, there was a there was a paper released recently that talked about the survival rates of people who opt for alternative um, treatments instead of conventional cancer treatments. And you know, spoiler alert, folks, it doesn't look good if you take the alternative no. treatments. And, and even if people say we are well, I'm taking that as well as the conventional me- medicine. It, it normally well. If you're taking lots of medication and you're inclined to believe on what you think is quote unquote natural or, or better for you or, you know, then you tend to skip the other part a little bit. You, you cheat a little bit on because I'm taking the other one as well. So I don't have to take all, you know, it, it's not good. Just stick with the, with the things that are proven, folks. Yeah. That's better. All right. Yep. Okay. Indeed. All right, thank you, Jelena. Let's go over to the news items. We have mentioned um, Sally Morgan on our show several times, um, and um, Psychic Sally, yeah, so, yeah. For those listeners who don't know who she is, she is a British television and stage. Well, actually, in Wikipedia, it says art, stage artist and author. But she's uh, mm-hmm. she's claimed to have psychic abilities, and she uh, staged she used to stage big shows for big audiences where she talks to the dead, etc. The Inland Revenue in England uh, has launched lodged a two point nine million pound claim against Sally Morgan Enterprise. Uh, this is a company that Sally Morgan owns. Uh, she's a director. Th- this company actually itself is now entered into liquidation. And according to a report uh, prepared by liquidators, Morgan owes the inland revenue £2.9 million in relation to taxes. Ouch. Uh, (laughs) She has to do some more touring then to get that money in. Well, I don't know if she can because her company... Yeah, she could start a new company. I I think she Uh, has several companies and this is one of them. Yeah. Apparently, she's also now in the process of selling her house to cover some of the debts, and and obviously she needs to cover the liabilities due. But I don't know how much of it she'll be able to cover. I mean, how big is her house? <laughs> Two point nine million. So there we go. Are we surprised? Uh, I don't really think so. But you know, if she was a psychic, shouldn't she have um, saw it coming? Um, <laughs> that old, yeah, yeah. No, it's the best joke ever, isn't it? I love. It never gets old. That one. <laughs> Never no, gets never old. Does. Never, never gets does. old. Yeah, but there yeah. you go. But she can only so, talk to dead tax collectors, not to the living ones. So that's what what's <laughs> oh, the problem God. here, I think. So Psy- Psychic Sally is on tour starting uh, in September, all the way through October, all the way through November, January. Oh, okay, she's taking December off, but other than that, she seems pretty oh, busy. She, oh, she's raising, she's raising those money. All, those money. all yeah. the way, uh, all the way up until uh, May of next year, she's got plenty of dates in there. Um, nothing, wow. nothing can stop her. It's a yeah. little bit disheartening that even a three million pounds uh, tax. Uh, Bill doesn't stop her. Oh, wow. Well, I I think that I think that may motivate her more to uh, to to work in. Anyway. <sighs> it's got yeah, it's gonna have an opposite effect. Yeah, it's I a bet. bit like with with Alex Jones being banned. You know, people now will get all excited. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, I've I've been to see Psychic Sally before. That was a mm-hmm. that was a fun two and a half hours of my life that I'm never going to get back. 
Jesus. Did, did she talk to any of the dead relatives that you had? Uh, none of my dead relatives, unfortunately, no. Um, mm-hmm. Interestingly, when, when I did go to see her, um, I spotted her son-in-law working behind uh, the stall, one of the the, yeah. the merch stall, um, and her husband, well, he was there. Uh, and if you, if you remember, the two of them were supposedly fired by Sally a number of years back because of some very negative publicity they got for harassing a a protester yeah. outside one of the shows. Yes. So yeah, they they were they were sacked at the time, but they're very much back at work as far as I could see. Wow. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh well, completely different subject actually. Uh <laughs> Europe and GMOs. We've talked about that before. There is a 17-year-old GMO directive in the EU that basically prohibits the use of GMOs in the union and we've talked about that and it's not what we think is a, the best regulation uh but also in this old directive there was an exception or is an exception still and and that is when you alter the alter already existing genes and that's called mutagenesis that was still allowed at the time when this uh, directive was created and it was only possible at the time through radiation techniques so you can put some you know radiation to to a seed or whatever and hope that it changes the genes in the way that you want them to change uh, and that meant that the definition of prohibited gmos only were when you added genes from another variety or species which is called transgenesis as opposed to mutagenesis so now so that was the old thing but the eu court of justice has now ruled that although mutagenesis through radiation is still allowed, newer kinds of mutagenesis, such as when you do with CRISPR or CRISPR-Cas9, that's to be considered GMO from now on. And what does that mean? That means that if you bombard a plant or a seed uh, through radiation in a hit-and-miss fashion to to change the genes to get the things that you want from the the new uh, variety, that's still allowed. But if you deliberately and exactly obtain the same exact mutation in a test tube, that is prohibited. That is called uh, GMO. And so that's totally unscientific and illogical. It's really nonsense. And uh, we've said this on uh, on the show before. Politicians and lawyers, they should not be the ones deciding things on scientific matters. Without a doubt, yeah. So, I mean, we're going to have to just take our tomatoes to Fukushima then and hope for the best. Exactly. That, that's what they're saying, really. If you, if you, uh, well, sort of a straw man, but anyway, yeah. Wonderful. Mm. Yeah. Makes you want to leave EU, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eurocrats. <sir. laughs> okay. <laughs> we're, we're on it, Pontus. We're on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're working on it. Mm. All right. With all of that depressing news we've heard so far, let's <laughs> let's perk things up a little bit. Um, a, a, another wonderful piece of work from the Good Thinking Society. There was an announcement a few days ago, uh, and just to, to quote from their press release, um, today CCGs uh, in Bristol, in the Bristol area, became the, l- the latest and final 
NHS England CCGs to end the commissioning of homeopathic remedies, marking a significant victory in our long-running campaign to challenge NHS spending uh, on the pseudoscientific treatment. So, great news there um, from, from woohoo indeed, yeah, absolutely. Um, quick quote from, Mike, from Michael Marshall, the project director. He said, "We're very pleased to see Bristol CCGs take this decision to seize funding for homeopathy. Every other CCG across the country." has made it clear that homeopathic remedies are no better than placebo and such there's simply no place for homeopathy on the NHS. Uh, so yeah, there was there was some some nice reaction to to that announcement um, in the uh, in the skeptical universe um, during the week there, which which is nice to see. Um, the skeptic movements come under a little bit of criticism of late again. Um, so good good to see a win for our guys. Um, the uh, the reaction on on the other side of the fence not quite so good. Um, so really, let, let me let me just uh, read uh, part of the statement that was released by the British Homeopathic Association. So they said. Uh, by removing homeopathic referrals to the Portland Centre for Integrated Medicine, Bristol CCG demonstrates a lack of sound decision-making because this change will not help improve patient health or balance their books. It will have a negative impact on the lives of those in the care of Bristol CCG, as most of the referral patients have chronic conditions which have not been helped through the conventional treatment and now have to go back to treatments that do not work as well for them and cost more. So um I, I guess an understandable reaction there from, from the BHA. Um I strongly disagree with it. But w- what was particularly interesting was the the level of reaction on the on the side of the homeopath there. So the BHA posted a, a link to that statement on their Facebook page and it got twenty four reactions to the post and eleven shares. Um not too many. Um, mm-hmm. they they tweeted about the article. Um, they actually tweeted it twice. Um, maybe because the first time they tweeted it, it got eight likes and eight retweets. Maybe they didn't <laughs> think that was enough, so they they tweeted it again, and they got six retweets and six likes the second time round. Um, Good for them. <laughs> so it, uh, it 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 doesn't seem as if as if there's there's much in the way of reaction on the homeopath side. I did even delve into the, the 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 homeopathy hashtag for August seventh, August eighth to see to see what you know if there was any kind of great outcry about it, and there was a few negative tweets about it, but again, very little in the way of retweets or shares. Um, that, that somebody brilliantly complaining. Um, uh, presumably about Michael Marshall saying, who the hell is he? He's not even a qualified health professional. He has a BA in English. How does that qualify him to make pronouncements on people's health or the NHS? Um, mm. So clearly a little bit of butthurt going on there. Um, I, I yeah. guess the person who, who, who messaged about that doesn't realise that he's not... Um, making pronouncements on people's health. He is. He has been. He and the Good Thinking Society have been encouraging the NHS to use evidence-based uh, policy um, in their decision making and not waste their money. So um, you know, it, it it was good to see. And a, a few other, um, I guess, pro homeopathy tweets about that decision. Um, again, very very small amount of retweets and likes. So I don't know whether. 
I guess the world of homeopaths kind of saw this coming. Maybe they they knew that that it wasn't the decision wasn't going to go their way, and that's why they haven't made too much noise or there hasn't been too much outcry about it. But uh, I I guess they've maybe resigned themselves to the the death of homeopathy on the NHS. But but um, there is still one place in the UK. Um, that you can get homeopathy on the NHS. Now Pontus already knows the answer. But Ye- <laughs> tell me, tell me, Ye- Brian. Yelena, tell me. do you want to do you want to guess where it is? You can get homeopathy on the NHS. Is it in London? It is not in London. No, London ah, stopped in okay. April. Um, England and no, Wales, I don't know. Sorry. England and Wales is now completely homeopathy-free um, in uh, in England and Wales. It is in Scotland, and I am slightly embarrassed to say it is in my backyard. Oh, okay. It is it is Glasgow. So, um, <laughs> oh, what is it like? Yeah, yeah. So in, in in Glasgow we have well, it formerly was known as the. Glasgow Homeopathic Hospital or Glasgow Hospital of Homeopathy. Um, it is now called the Centre for Integrative Care. They offer um, homeopathic uh, treatment and a number of other, uh, in my opinion, um, questionable treatments. But uh, you know that that is the next item on the uh, on the to do list of the Good Thinking Society. And 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 Marsh and Co have already been making freedom of information requests of the various um, health boards in Scotland to figure out kind of who's sending patients to the to to the Glasgow Homeopathic Hospital. Apparently, mm-hmm. the spend is uh, well, it's still over a million pounds a year. Um, so it's a it's a fair chunk that would be better spent elsewhere. And uh, you know, I guess keep your eyes peeled, folks, because Glasgow, we're coming for you next. Yeah, I think that the the advice for Marsh is to contact some prominent skeptic in Glasgow who, who has local <laughs> contacts and can really make things happen on the ground, on site. It, it's what, it's funny. What do you think, last, Brian? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, the the last time that Marsh was up speaking for us uh, at Glasgow Skeptics, I had the. Uh, Thankfully, I had the following day off. So in the in the morning, we went we went to the homeopathic hospital, and Marsh <laughs> tried to go sniffing around a little bit. Um, yeah. And then and then we went to the other side of town to the um, the homeopathic pharmacy that prepares all the the remedies for for the NHS as well. So it was it was a little bit of um, preliminary investigation. So um, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 if uh, if Marsh calls us into action in any way, we will be happy to get involved and help. Yeah. Okay, good. Russians believe in aliens and don't trust scientists. No. Shock horror. <laughs> Never. In any case, Всероссийский центр изучения общественного мнения of ЦИОМ. Он островье. No, did they say ЦИОМ? Yeah, it's ЦИОМ. It's a center, a research center for um, global public opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have recently published uh, a data, a poll data, uh, where they ask public in Russia whether they think science is doing a good job. And um, what I mean by that is that they've, they've asked certain questions, for example, do you think that scientists speak the truth or hide the truth from, from, from you? Or how do you think in most cases scientists know the truth or are sincerely mistaken and do not know the truth? And so what transpired was that the public in Russia believes that the scientists lie, yeah. hide the truth, and most of the time don't know the truth. So it's all bad things. <laughs> so so they, they hide the truths that they don't know. 
How, how do you do that? How, how, you, how is that even possible? <laughs> um, basically, it, it reflects the fact that the trust in science uh, gone down, in, in scientists, scientific research and, and well, medical research gone down over the, uh, over the last year, actually. Very uh, precisely for some reason. Uh, it doesn't actually s- state the reasons why. There is... Um, a lot more distrust in science um, and scientific publications. Uh, along with everything else, they lumped also the moonlight landing. I don't know how that came about. Wow. Apparently, over 40% in Russia don't believe that the moon landing happens. Wow. Well, at least in that respect, you you can understand the Russians not wanting to believe that the Americans beat them to it. Right. But yeah. you know, I I, yeah. I would have. I, I mean, this has been said time and time again. Like, if if the Americans didn't make it to the moon, the the Russian yeah. government would have uh, yeah. would would have been all over that for sure. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, I guess it's not that much of a surprise to hear that yeah. R- Russia <laughs> Russia is is following um, following their good friends in the US. Um, when it comes to uh, science denialism, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the, the one good thing that uh, that this um, poll, these polls indicated that ninety three percent of the survey participants still agree that the Earth is round. Oh, oh thank God! I mean, how about the other seven percent? Well, you know, we let's not go there. Gee. But what I was gonna say that as a comment to this press uh, release when when the uh, the results came out. Somebody mentioned, and I, I think I find myself agreeing with that statement that the reason why there is this distrust, uh, um, in overall, and I think it's not just actually in Russia, come to think about it, that it's due to the politicians and entrepreneurs, uh, who are inflating the hype around the pseudoscientific data, but also, you know, in order to Make money or promote their agenda or whatever it is, scare, scaremonger. But also, scientists themselves to blame for that, for this in in part because they uh, pursue pursuit of grants and scientometric uh, sci- indicators. From time to time, they publish not completely verified and sometimes uh, falsified data. And when that becomes known to the greater public, unfortunately, this is very damaging. Yeah, seeds in the mistrust. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's um like everything else. It's 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 a coin with two sides. Um, it's a data which we can think about it and think how to to tackle it. Um, it's a warning side sign to scientists in Russia and I guess everywhere really. Uh, they have to get their act together. Yeah, but I don't know if there's anything that can be done to change the way that politicians and and businessmen manipulate data. To be honest with you, so, no, um, I, I'm surprised that any Russians were brave enough to say that they don't trust their politicians. <laughs> <laughs> did, exactly. did, did, did all of them disappear shortly after saying that? Yeah, right, that's a, that's a good question. Maybe maybe there's a a big. Uh, Hidden number there that they what they didn't dare to tell, so maybe it's even worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be. It, it's interesting. We see this trend. We know the U.S. is going down the drains. They they believe in anything or they don't believe in real things. And now Russia. I wonder how the they th- they tired of experts. Please yeah. don't you know, forget y- exactly. But I wonder what the situation is in China. We never hear about that. Uh, so 
Is there China, a similar distrust I you, there? <laughs> I tell you what, they quietly steal everybody's secret, copy the greatest works, and then make their money. I mean, they don't. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe so, maybe so. They're they're going to take over as the rest of us. We fall into <laughs> medieval pre-scientific thinking. Although the, the Chinese do have also quite a lot of alternative medicine, as far as I know, from from what I can see. Alternative medicine, I'm, yes, yeah. From, right. where, yeah. from where I'm right. sitting, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah, so I guess everybody's screwed then. Okay, thank you, Jelena. <laughs> well... <laughs> Right, make make the next news item a positive one again. Let's let's have let's bring people back up again. Come on. Yeah, yeah, your 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 enthusiasm and optimism is is uh, commendable, Brian. But I'm sure <laughs> I can tell you it's not. This is the the regular measles update. So uh, so we we go going from bad to worse. Here. One day it'll be a good one. Measles in Europe. We have followed we have uh, uh, followed the measles epidemic in in Europe for for actually more than a year, well two years I think now, and uh, it's not getting better, guys. It's getting worse. So uh, the worst country at the moment. I'm going to go through uh, some of the bad countries in 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 Europe but uh, almost every country has had some measles by now uh, the worst country is uh, ukraine like we've said before uh, we uh, they now have had 27500 cases this year alone and that is actually they are now slightly getting better because it used to be around a thousand new cases per week and they're down to, to 800 cases per week. So <laughs> that's still Very terrible good. though. Come I on, people, what... come on, people of Ukraine. If you really want to annoy the Russians, why not believe in science? Oh yeah, that's a good, <laughs> good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just do it to spite the Russians. That's, that's right. Actually, I have a, you know, a callback for to last week's interview with Malek Tome because Lviv where where he is based is the probably the worst city in all of Europe only in that city of Lviv it, they've had 5000 cases this year 5000 cases yeah so so mm. that's bad 13 deaths in Ukraine uh, officially recognized due to measles and then uh, we go down the list here in in uh, falling order here we have serbia 5700 cases 15 deaths romania 4500 uh, cases 22 deaths france 2700 cases and three deaths greece 2300 cases two deaths and italy 2029 cases and four deaths and these are all for the first seven months of of this year, uh, and there, are, it's bad. Yeah, it is. And, and we have also a new country that I didn't have uh, statistics from before, uh, Russia. And I don't know if that's complete, but uh, officially, it's one thousand seven hundred cases in Russia, UK seven hundred, Germany four hundred, and then the list goes on, but becomes smaller. In total, the numbers that I was managed to to collect for by the end of of July, uh, 48,319 cases in Europe and 59 deaths due Jesus. to measles. Mm. Pontus, that, that was like the most um, depressing version of the Eurovision Song Contest I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> reading out the scores across. Let, let's call it the Eurovision Wrong Contest, okay? Um, oh, yeah. yeah. 
No, I, I, it is really terrible. I don't know why I'm laughing about this because it, I'm laughing because it's the only outlet you have because when you, it's really, really depressing. This is a disease that like 10 years ago, it was almost unheard of. Well, not unheard of, but it was very rare to get the, the measles in, in Europe. We had people were vaccinated back then. And uh, even countries, uh, you know, let's not open up the, the can of worms about uh, mandatory vaccinations or so. But even countries that have that mandatory vaccinations are hit like like uh, Hungary, I think, have 60 cases and they have like 99 officially they have 99 percent coverage or something like that on, on the on the vaccinations. But. I still believe that if you have a mandatory vaccination, I think people cheat. They they somehow get registered as vaccinated, even if they're not. And that's why they still have uh, outbreaks. Are you trying to imply that in Andras's country of Hungary, there's some form of corruption? Surely not. Um, he's, been, <laughs> he's been giving us glowing references about his lovely country of late. So, uh, you know, I find that hard to, 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 to think. But, I mean, bearing in mind as well, the, the freedom of movement across Europe means that, you know, people people can travel across borders and, 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 and take yeah. their diseases with them as they go. So, yeah. But, uh, Maybe maybe some of the cases in Hungary are down to to people coming in from other countries, maybe on vacation or whatever, and maybe they haven't been vaccinated. Who knows? Um, yeah, could be. Not 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 that I'm advocating for stopping freedom of movement in Europe. Just to be clear. <laughs> no, but to be fair, we did have freedom of movement ten years ago as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it can't be the whole explanation. Yeah, more good news. <laughs> I don't know if you can count my next bit a good news. I don't know. It's something. Uh, it's from UK. UK Parliamentary Committee has published a, a preliminary report that highlighted what is described as significant concern over the risk to, uh, to shared values and the integrity of our democratic institutions. Um, and they're talking about spread of fake news online and its effect, its effect on elections uh, and public opinion. I guess it's an alarm bell. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, no, it's not a good news. <laughs> <laughs> but to, they're trying to do something about it, I guess. Yeah. Yes, uh, to, to highlight the issue of the fake, uh, how fake news spread across various um, social media. Uh, so uh, people are increasingly finding out about what is happening uh, in this uh, in UK and across the world, to be honest with you, I know that report talks about UK in their local communities and uh, across the wider world through social media rather than through more traditional forms of communications such as television, print media and the radio. And then social media has become hugely influential in our lives. So the research by the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism has shown that not only are huge numbers of people accessing news and information worldwide through Facebook in particular, but also through social messaging software such as WhatsApp. And um, when such a media are used to spread rumors and fake news, the consequences can be devastating and are devastating as we no. The report brings this to the attention and uh, highlights, you know, outlines the definition of the fake news. There isn't really, I mean, 
the recommendation really that isn't that great <laughs> because I think there's more research that needs to be done. The, but basically, I'll just read the extract from this um, recommendation. During the course of, of this inquiry, we have wrestled with the complex global issues which cannot easily be tackled by blunt, reactive and outmoded legislative instruments. In this report, we suggest principle-based recommendations which are sufficiently adaptive to deal with fast-moving technological developments. Uh, but and they say that the government should support research into the methods by in methods by which mis misinformation and disinformation are created and spread across the internet, and a core part of it, of course, is fact checking. And they recommend that the government initiate a working group of experts to create credible annotation of standards so that people can see at a glance the level of verification of a site. And this would help people to decide on the level of importance that they put on those sites. That's not um particularly innovative recommendation. We know of many <laughs> such websites already, like Snopes, etc. I guess there isn't one centralized um way of doing it. And I guess uh when you go on a, any given website and you see an article, it doesn't have a little icon next to it to say, you know, what the the trustworthy index is. And maybe the in ideal world this would be the answer. I don't know. Yeah. Again, this recommendation, in my mind, I think, you know, will, will then cre create the stream of funding probably from government if they're going to take any action based on this report. And there might be good solutions that will co be coming out of this. But uh, I think a, a, um, the cynic in yep. me <laughs> thinks that people just take advantage of that funding <laughs> and not come up with anything good. No, I should, I should really believe in people goodwill to, to uh, propagate good information. So that's yeah. what's happening in UK. But it's interesting. I think they, they talk about a fake news inquiry, but they also said in the actual writing that you should avoid talking about fake news and instead use the terms like misinformation and disinformation because that's what <laughs> it really is. And I, I think that I agree with that anyway. Yeah. I, also, I couldn't help kept thinking that it's not a new phenomena, this fake news thing. It's, it hasn't been invented in the 21st century. Well, but it seems to be, have been rebranded But somehow. it's been accepted, sort of. It's, it's now become the standard way of winning the argument, is using fake news. That didn't work before. So that's new. Yeah, and, and, and also the way that it sort of confabulates the the accusation of, of fake news. I mean, it, it's a great way of dismissing something that's actually true as well, as say, just, yes. you know, just wave the hand and say fake news and people are going to move on and some, some people will believe you and some people won't. But, you know, if you're quick enough onto the next scandal, then, you know, nobody remembers, you know, the last time you did it. And also, I guess the problem is now that um, it's way too easy and way too quick to spread anything. Just click the button and let's yeah. say 100,000 people have seen the fake yeah. article or something. You don't have time to debunk all the fake things. For sure. Oh, on this note, I know that I've mentioned Alex Jones in passing. Mm -hmm. Can I ask your opinion on that, guys? I think it's fairly relevant. Um, you have heard that Alex Jones has been banned mm -hmm. from various platforms, Facebook, YouTube... Mm. And interestingly, not um, Twitter. Yeah. Not, not Twitter. Twitter. No. no. What are your opinions about this? Because uh, I have been wrestling with this myself, and I think there is a bigger issue of free speech 
I can see how that could backfire and how he his popularity would grow. Uh, um, there there may be a bit of a backfire effect to it, but I mean, we we've got clear clear evidence that the type of stuff he said on his show has led to, for example, the grieving parents um, mm-hmm. uh, of, of children being harassed. Um, it, it also led to a man walking into a pizza shop with a gun, asking to see the child sex dungeon they had in the basement, which didn't even exist. So, you know, there's there's a difference between, um, you know, propagating lies and conspiracy theories and propagating lies and conspiracy theories that call people to action and and, and inciting I think violence yeah most yeah. most definitely so uh you know uh, it, it, whilst there, there are you know discussions to be had about freedom of speech i think if there's a line to cross i think alex jones stepped over it pretty badly on on more than a few occasions and i'm only surprised that that we got this far without him uh without him being banned already yeah yeah, yeah. I think there's a misconception about free speech as well. Free speech isn't supposed to be absolute. I mean, you have to have people take responsibility for their action, including for what they are saying and the consequences of what they are inventing. Exactly. Free. Yeah. I mean, freedom of speech is another thing that seems to have been rebranded over the past couple of years for, um, you know, for <laughs> yeah, yeah. for for the purposes of uh, you know whatever um, political intentions people want to uh, uh, want to propagate, you know. But um, mm. you know, we are we are in these cases talking about you know platforms such as as as, as Facebook and Spotify as well in the iTunes area that, that he was taken off but the the whole thing about Twitter not um not removing him you know i i guess that you know the the lies that that became the the dangerous ones that we referred to earlier on were were not propagated via Twitter so you then you've got the decision to be made well if do we ban him from our platform even if he hasn't propagated specifically those lies on our platform yeah. um yeah. and and that that i think i think it's you know put the the bosses at twitter under a lot of um a lot of pressure and a lot of um scrutiny because of that and i don't necessarily know what the what what the right answer is you know i mean for me the less cranks we have you know um with with a public platform the better um so you know i'm all for it but i i perhaps we would be equally as quick to complain if somebody was taken off of twitter for 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 example calling out quacks you know so i i don't know yeah that's a difficult it's an interesting it's an interesting time we're living in isn't it uh when it's all developing and there's a lot of of course, there's a lot of fear mongering going on. Straight after him being banned, the people jumped on all sorts of bandwagon saying, that's it, that's the end of freedom of everything. You know, the government takes over and then we're all going to be sitting in our little corners. But it's well, not the government. It, it's private well, companies. Are, you know, oh, they will for, take over, whoever. No, no. The, no, but, the corporations. <laughs> no, but the, the, the difference is that this is not the government going in and banning him from Facebook and, and, and whatever. It's private corporations. It's private yeah. co- corporations. And, and who are we to say that they cannot take decisions about their platform? Yeah. yeah. That, that that is true, but when when you are talking about about mediums such as Facebook and such as, for example, iTunes, you know, th- those are huge, huge. Um, they have a huge global presence, and 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 I think the the discussion is should the governments 
of various countries be putting pressure on those companies to either A, permit or B, ban certain certain types of content. Um, mm. I, I, I think that's, that's where the argument goes. And bearing in yeah. mind as well, I think there was a court ruling recently that prevented Donald Trump from muting somebody or blocking people on Twitter because he makes so many policy statements uh, uh, yeah. amongst his rants. Like he, <laughs> but- he uses Twitter to make announcements. Therefore, um, you know, you cannot, you cannot exclude an American citizen from being able to see those announcements. So, you know, I, I, I think we maybe have to acknowledge that these, these mediums are, are, have become such an integral part of our life that there there are implications that that may require um, some form of legislation. Yeah, but the difference though is that Alex Jones is a private citizen and Donald mm. Trump is not. So mm. I, I think they're still, mm. you know, sep- you can separate the two. They're oh, not the same. A- a- absolutely. Yeah. Let, yeah. let me make it perfectly yeah. clear. Fuck Alex Jones. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no no! Um, absolutely, yeah, yeah. We know which side we're on. We just, um, yeah. just can't figure out what the implication of this is. Yeah. How how do you write the rules so it's fair? Yeah, that's that's the problem. I think it's hard. I don't. Mm-hmm. It's almost mm-hmm. sometimes feels like it's almost impossible. All right. Good. So, in 1989, songwriter Chris Rea wrote a song called "The Road to Hell." Don't know if you guys know. I it. love it was that song. Big in the I UK. love that song so much. <laughs> Do do you know? Wow. Okay, that makes mm. one of you. Um, I'm not such a fan, but you know he that song him. was was inspired primarily by the the M25 motorway that circles around London. Um, so uh, you know if if you're ever on the M25, you know if that's not hellish enough, you know think of Chris Rea and that'll make you even more depressed. <laughs> but if you don't want a journey on the road to hell in the UK, you can now. Journey on the road to hell on the six 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 bus in Poland. Fantastic! Really? <laughs> so, so this is a story um, that Pontus brought to my attention. Is, is it made it into the metro um, recently? Um, <laughs> Christian group wants to scrap the six 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 bus route to hell, uh, and <laughs> hell spelt H E L is apparently a town in Poland. So you've got a, a I guess, um, a comedic bus company that thought it would be very good to have a <laughs> have the six 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 bus route going on there. But um, surprisingly, um, some Christians have been uh, have been outraged uh, by the sales. No. Uh, I know. <laughs> oh, no sense of humor, Christians. Really, oh, that's so, yeah, I know. You know Su- surprising, right? So let let's uh, let's see what their statement says. Um, speaking on their site, um, the Christian platform. I'm not sure of the organization, but they said. Hell is a, a real existing place of extreme despair and pain. Sorry, this is hell with two L's, like the the fiery one. <laughs> oh, oh, oh um, so they were not talking about the town in. in they're not in, talking in about. The t- I mean, I don't know. I'm. It, it might be a lovely place. It might be a shithole. We don't know. Uh, um, anyway, <laughs> we so, haven't taken this ride yet. No. Hell with two L's is a really uh, existing place of extreme despair and pain to which the unfortunate souls of people rejecting God's love go to. There cannot be a greater catastrophe for man. Hell is the negation of humanity. It is eternal death and suffering when you simply do not understand 
uh, what the thing is. Uh, you'll have to excuse me. The translation, um, I guess, is is not the best. I've got a feeling the Metro might have just Google translated it. Um, and, and <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> It's <laughs> I, I, surprising that the Metro has not done some hardcore journalism here, you know? Um, <laughs> no. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I personally would be, uh, would be a big fan of, of taking a bus journey to, uh, to HEL. It sounds like a comedy thing to do, but, um, it seems like, um, you know, the, some, some Catholic representatives, um, have got nothing better to do with their time, um, than complain about the number of a bus. <laughs> you know, I, I I I took the liberty to do some googling while we were talking here as well. There's another musical reference that I think you will get as well. Listen to this. Yes. Brilliant. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, I, I guess that's not that kind of music in, in, in uh, Poland. Or at least not in the Catholic Church. I would imagine not. Yeah, would be... Um, yeah, uh, anyway, that's that's fun. I see, at least it's one... Uh, uh, not if not positive, like uh, then a humoristic uh, news item there. <laughs> About time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I kind of believe it gets us into the next segment uh, of ours, uh, where Pontus pokes the Pope. And I mean, kind of, because Pope and hell, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're going to be a bit serious again, I'm afraid, uh, on the poke the Pope this week. Yeah, because the Pope is getting ready for his visit to Ireland later this month. And I feel it's a good re- good to remind ourselves that the Catholic Church has a terrible history uh, in Ireland uh, with thousands of abuse victims and, and awful treatment of, uh, among other things, unmarried mothers and their children, which we've talked about uh, several times, I believe, in the past. Uh, and what bugs me really, and the, the reason I'm doing this Pope to Pope segment every week or every of the week is that the current Pope Francis is very popular and he's portrayed as such a nice guy. Uh, and it's easy to forget that he doesn't take responsibility for what has happened in the past. There's no call for compensating or even apologizing to the victims uh, or making sure that all priests and even also nuns that have done these things in Ireland in the past are, are, are outdid, punished or, or dismissed. So I will link to a disturbing article, really. It's very moving, uh, by one uh, victim who remembers the last time a Pope visited Ireland. Uh, and this was uh, in the beginning of the 80s, I believe. And the title of the, the article says it all. I think it, it, the title is, I was 13 when the Pope came to Ireland and I was raped by a priest the next year. So, uh, wow, that's yeah, that's uh, I'm sorry for bringing the mood down again. Uh, yeah, so it this is very serious, uh, and I I think it illustrates why I believe that we need to keep poking the Pope. He is not uh, the nice guy that everybody thinks he is because he could do so much more to try to make amends for what, what happened in the past, and we saw. 
Uh, there was an example a month ago or so, or maybe it's a little bit more in uh, about allegations in in uh, Argentina, I believe it was South America, and he said, "Well, it, well, he 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 had a comment about you know uh, trying to." spread doubt on the the claims that the victims were were putting forward so he was trying to blame them he's not the nice guy you think he is surprise surprise hmm. yeah shocker yeah continue doing that uh one just think it's I good, good to keep reminding people that that uh catholic church and current pope are, on, are not all that and bag of chips yeah so all right I think we're on to the next Pontus segment. <laughs> Pontus got Pontus got two special segments. Yeah, and it is about somebody who was really wrong. Is that a really wrong one, Pontus? This year, uh, this time. Yes, it is a okay. really wrong. And it's actually a callback to earlier in the in this episode where we talked about the Portland Center for Integrative Medicine, and so it's all about the homeopathy being. Not banned, but the NHS funding of homeopathy in Bristol being uh, banned. And uh, just to comment on the Portland Center for Integrative Medicine and their their reaction to the whole thing. And just to point out that they are wrong when they are trying to defend uh, homeopathy. So they are saying that, of course, they're complaining, like the, the uh, what is it, the British homeopathy the BHA, the British Homeopathic Association. British Homeopathic Association are complaining, and so is the Portland Centre for Integrative Medicine. Uh, they say that it is proven that uh, homeopathy works, and they, uh, you know, complain about now people don't have the choice, etc. So, what they're putting forward as evidence is three points, and one is that Switzerland has included homeopathy in the range of health care interventions available to all patients. The Swiss healthcare system recognizes that people who use homeopathy experience less illness and as a result claim less on their health care insurance. That's not true. What happened was there was a referendum in, in Switzerland and people wanted homeopathy to be covered by insurance. That doesn't prove that it works. It just proves that people want it. So that's one. It does right. prove that referendums are usually a really bad idea. <laughs> right? Please don't. Please, Please don't. don't. Oh my God. Yeah. We, so, have, we have already learned yeah. that very, very bitter le lesson. <laughs> yeah, quite. So uh, the second point they make uh, saying is that research from the University of Bristol shows that doctors uh, trained in homeopathy prescribe fewer antibiotics, that homeopathy is safe, and effective, and uh, it can save the NHS money, and then there's a link to the study. I clicked on the link. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, first of all, yes, they do prescribe fewer antibiotics because they prescribe useless homeopathy instead, so that doesn't prove anything. They say it's safe. Yes, we know it's safe, you know, because it's nothing in it. There's, 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 it's a sugar pill with some water dropped on it, so it is safe. Well, it's it's not safe if your patient needs proper medicine. All right, just just Correct. like I, Correct. The, but it's the, not the directly harmful. That, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't bring harm, except it excludes the real medicine. Quite right. And then they say it's effective, and I, as I looked at the study, the study doesn't say it's effective. 
it just says they prescribe fewer antibiotics and that there's no side effects from homeopathy. So, so they're lying there, actually. It's not effective. It doesn't say that in the study. All right. And then the third point is that studies available via the Homeopathy Research Institute provide the results of clinical trials showing that the efficacy of homeopathy, and then they link to that. Well, it's the Homeopathic Research Institute. What do you expect? Of course, they are only going to publish studies that points to what they want to, to, to show, right? So, right. um, if this is the best evidence, and they are talking about evidence in their, in their statement uh, that they can come up with, they're, they're not, they don't have any evidence really. If this is mm. the best they have. Mm -hmm. Mm. You know what it made me think about? Mm -hmm. Science need a better marketing execs. What the hell are we doing? Not marketing science left, right and center. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Anyway. And do you know what it made me think of as well? It, it reminded me that I completely forgot earlier on um, to mm -hmm. mention that you should be donating money to the Good Thinking Society to allow them to do Absolutely. the great yes. type of work um, yes. that that has prompted this uh, really wrong response from PCIM. So, so please, folks, go to goodthinkingsociety.org and um, throw some pennies and some pounds and some euros and some dollars or whatever currency it is you use in your country in their direction, please. Yes, and we will, of Indeed, course, put that absolutely. link in the, yeah. in the show notes. Absolutely. So please do that. Or you just Google the Good Thinking Society and you'll find it. It's not hard to find. Yeah. So for continuing to fight a lost cause against all science and logic, the Portland Center for Integrative, Integrative Medicine, or PSIM, gets today's prize for being really wrong. in or near Glasgow or are you planning to visit sometime then you're in luck because Glasgow Skeptics have got your Monday nights sorted we're committed to filling up every available Monday night with talks on science and scepticism past speakers include Eugenie Scott Jerry Coyne Michael Marshall Nate Phelps Tom and Cecil from Cognitive Dissonance PZ Myers Richard Wiseman AC Grayling Noah Heath and Eli from The Scathing Atheist Simon Singh, Rebecca Watson and a multitude of local academics and sceptics There's literally nothing better you can do on a Monday night in Glasgow that doesn't involve taking your clothes off So come join us We've also got a vibrant online community You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and get involved with the discussion Glasgow Sceptics Self-help for your brain Can I mention something? Yes, you can. Okay. Um, so this weekend I was hanging out with some friends of, of ours, and, uh, me and my husband, and we were talking about anti-vaccination movement. And they are pro-vaccination, <laughs> luckily. Because sometimes you find yourself with friends talking about this. Oof, yeah. And you realize, oh, okay, uh, that, that's interesting. Hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mentioned that there are still a lot of people out there who believe that vaccinations don't work and the measles outbreak and um, baby's death and who knows how long it will take. 
and I said to them actually, so that the problem now became because they were aware of the Wakefield claim and the connection or false connection between the, the vaccination and autism. But I said it became more than that now. It became um, a fear mongering because of chemicals involved mm. in vaccination. And I said, but, but, but everything is chemicals. Everything we eat, everything we drink is chemicals. And people should remember that. It's not, you know, it's not not chemicals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we talked about uh, that vaccination contains um, formaldehyde. And I said to them, well, actually, pears contain more formaldehyde than vaccine, uh, vaccine, those of vaccines. And they didn't know that. And I said, why isn't it being advertised everywhere? Why aren't these facts available to uh, public out there? Huh. And I, th- I said, well, I don't know. Actually, I don't know. Because like, once you know it, you know it. You think it's out there. You think everybody knows. But actually, we're not really good at marketing certain no. things that are are crucially important in understanding how certain uh, scientific discoveries are made, how certain medical things work, including vaccinations. And I don't know how to, I don't have any, an answer, but um just wanted to bring it up to our attention that actually even people who are on our side, a lot of them not aware of all the facts and yeah. we should be shouting from the rooftops. <laughs> it it yeah. is, and... You know, little sound bites like that, like formaldehyde and pears, the, those those are really powerful little um, mm. little quips mm. you can use, uh, and mm. and it's great to be able to roll things out like that. You know, and and mm. I, I I I don't know the answer either. Be- better science education in school, of course, um, but 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 also a little bit of edu- education and common sense about you know. Uh, chemi- ke- every single chemical is harmful to you if you have it in, in, in the right dose. But if you have something in a small enough dose, it may be beneficial to you or it may complement something that's beneficial to you. You know, there's there's nothing in your vaccines that isn't there for a reason. Like when, when people were devising the vaccines, they, they didn't sort of get their little recipe and then go, <laughs> should we stick some formaldehyde in there as well? Just to just, just to fuck just with to. people's heads. Yeah, yeah, that... <laughs> That'll give them the autism that we want, you know. Like, like they wouldn't yeah. do that, you know. And no. so pe- people don't apply uh, apply common sense to uh, to that, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, good to have the conversations. I think that's that's the best that we can do in the absence of. Um, in the absence of you know the government or the education pro- program doing things well, it, we've just got to have those conversations. There was a you know a, a work colleague of mine. Who who posted about aspartame today? You know, just one of the stupid memes about how it gives oh. you, you know, migraines and cancer and also Ebola, AIDS. What you know, it gives you everything. You know, and <laughs> and I had to chip in oh. in a sort of a polite way. You know, um, and and that that's the best that we can do in the short term. You know, and spread yeah. spread yeah. the good word, folks. That's what I'm saying. Do it politely, yeah. though, please. Yeah. Yes. So, still a lot of work to be done here. But I think for this week, it's enough. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked enough. Yes. Mm. And, uh, well, as always, I would like to finish this uh, show with a quote. And um, I have a quote from Alexander Graham Bell, who was a Scottish born scientist. Oh. I'm very excited about it because <laughs> Brian is on the show. So I wanted to find uh, a Scottish quote for him. There cannot be mental atrophy in any person who continues to observe to remember what he observed and to seek answers for his unceasing hows and whys about things. Great. So, don't stop questioning things. No. Here's the lesson of the day. Keep observing. That's it. 
that that's definitely it for today. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me. And um, we've, yeah, we had a good time. Uh, I, I hope, well, I had a good time. I hope you did too. <laughs> it's um, been a blast. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us, Ryan. That it's, uh, we really do appreciate it a lot. Yeah, good it's, to have you back on the show. Yeah, great to be back on. Nice to be on with you, Yelena, <laughs> first time. Yeah, so, oh, and, I and, and another thing I forgot to say as well, folks, uh, you know, if anyone's in the vicinity of Edinburgh, go go check them out during the Fringe. They're, they're putting on a bundle Ooh, yeah. of events all the way through August. And, you know, I, I'm out of the way. You're not going to see me spout my bad puns. You're <laughs> going to see some proper scientists talking about cool stuff. So go check them out if you can. Brilliant. Yes, yeah, do absolutely. That. Yeah. And uh, we'll meet again next week. Um, but until then, goodbye. Paka paka. Paka paka. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>